0: Hi, my name is Nikki. My name is Charlie. And you're listening to Pet Bed Crime, crime stories. stories,
1: a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night.
0: That's our drinks for the night. Yes, tonight. that was
1: Nikki's drink for the night. It was a little chicka chicka chicka. chicka ice, sh- ice chicka chicka-ing. Um, so, <laughs> ice ice and plastic. Ice and plastic. <sighs> hi, Charlie. Hi. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Jovi. Hi, Jovi. Hi. (laughs) She's mid-sip waving at us. It's okay. Uh, So how's everybody today?
0: Living the dream.
1: (laughs) I actually realized... Just another day in paradise.
0: I realized I didn't really get any alcohol at first. I was just sipping on pineapple juice. Mm. And now I'm hitting the alcohol, so... (laughs) It's in the bottom.
1: You know. I was like, there we go. (sighs) Well... Um, I guess I'm kicking things off I know. tonight, yeah? With your true crime
0: headlines. There we go. You don't yes. want me to sing. Your ears would hurt. <laughs>
1: I need lots of out of tune. Uh, all right. So, obviously, two true crime headlines this evening. My first is from lawandcrime.com. This was publish, published on May 29th, 2021. And the headline reads, Convicted murderer, tortured, dissected, and decapitated cellmate, Guards reported both men alive. Uh, So guards on duty at California's Corcoran State Prison failed to notice that a convicted murderer allegedly decapitated, tortured and dissected his cellmate. What? Yeah, because yeah, apparently that's something that you just don't notice. So according to the newspaper, the um, General uh, Inspector General's office released two reports concerning the gruesome slaying of inmate Luis Romero, 44 years old, who authorities believe was killed by Jamie Osuna, 31, on March 9th, 2019, so uh, about two years ago. The reports further state that Romero was beheaded and the two prison guards on duty performed their daily rounds and marked both cellmates as being alive.
0: What
1: the... F- so I'm assuming he might, must have, like, posed him. Yeah, I guess With Ugh. the blanket
0: all the way up. And yeah, he was
1: just so like- he built a makeshift knife, makeshift knife out of a razor blade. He removed Romero's head, as well as one of his eyes, a finger, and a section of his lung.
0: How the fuck do you get a head off with a razor blade? With a blade? razor
1: blade. And then he... Yeah, he posed the headless corpse and used the blade to cut into the corners of Romero's mouth like the smile akin to the fictitious joker character played by heath ledger in the 2005 film the dark knight holy monkey the more because i only read like the first half of this so i'm reading this like oh my god this is so crazy all right i'm gonna stop reading that because it's horrifying but yeah long crime from may 29th 2021 cray cray
0: crazy i just don't understand how you'd get a head off with the laser razor blade blade. that's like a lot of time. time Like, how do the guards not notice that this man's over here with, like, a little... Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Blah. Barf. No.
1: Awful. Okay,
0: so this is actually some world news. This
1: is from cbsnews.com. It was published May 31st, 2021. Um, And... for those of you guys who are listening, this happened this week. Um, as we are recording now, this is current current event news. So we just want to shed some light on what's going on right now in Canada. Uh, headline on this is more than 200 bodies found at indigenous school in Canada. So the remains of 215 children, some as young as three years old, have been found buried on the site of once, what was once Canada's largest indigenous residential school. There was a news release over the weekend that the remains were confirmed last weekend with the help of ground-penetrating radar. More bodies may be found because there are more areas to search on the school grounds. Jesus. Yeah. So... Basically, from the 19th century until the 1970s, more than 150,000 First Nations children were required to attend state-funded Christian schools as part of a program to assimilate them into Canadian society. They were forced to convert to Christianity and not allowed to speak their native language. They were beaten and verbally abused, and up to 6,000 are said to have died. So, just wanted to kind of shed some light on, and of course, there's... A lot that's going on. So they found the bodies just this past weekend. Well, yeah. Um, But I guess as as recently as the 1970s was when this was going on. Um, The Canadian government apologized in Parliament in 2008 and admitted that physical and sexual abuse in the schools was rampant. Uh, Many students recall being beaten for speaking their native language and they lost touch with their parents and customs. So, again, like... There's there's a lot of information here. I do recommend people reading up on this. It is important for us to know the, um, the stories of the indigenous people of Canada um, and the things that they are going through. Their culture is being erased. Um, th- thankfully, in a small shed of light, as these things come to light, we are learning more and more about what happened. And we can hopefully grow from there and and hope to do better in the future so um i recommend reading up on that like i said that was from cbs news it was published on the the 29th of may 2021 so i highly recommend reading up more on that uh, situation
0: but definitely will
1: yes but in a strange twist of fate um
0: a bad it, twist of fate, it, I would say. Is it weird that that literally came out because this story I've been working on for a couple weeks now? Correct, correct. So
1: similar to I think it was my not my last story, it was two my two stories ago, I had done the story that was voted on by our listeners on our Instagram poll. So Nikki is doing her story tonight from our Instagram poll. Yes. And it just happens to be slightly thematic to what it, to what I was just talking about. So I'm going to turn the mic over to Nikki so she can share with you all tonight's bed crime story.
0: This actually wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be written out, but there is so much information. So like you could literally just go into this deep rabbit hole, mm-hmm. which I was starting to do and I was like, I have to kind of... Because there's just so much information and I'd never be done. But today I am doing the Dozier School for Boys Mm. in Florida, which I actually got really excited because my sources today are NPR, Mm. Wikipedia, Mm -hmm. and one of my favorite urban explorers, Abandoned Florida. Nice. Do you know who that is? Yes, I do. I love him. He goes to like all these abandoned places and Mm -hmm. takes like these gorgeous photographs I wish I could do it, but like that's—it's very high risk. Very, very high risk. Let's get started. Let's do it. So, the Arthur G. Dozer School for Boys was first organized under a 1897 legal act and began operations on the Mariana campus on January 1st, 1900. Wow. 1900. So this is like 121 years ago. Mm-hmm. Crazy to think about. I know.
1: Isn't it crazy
0: to think about? I know It is. It's very strange. It is very strange. I was like, my parents weren't even born. I don't even think my grandparents were born yet. Crazy. So, yeah. So, it's the Florida State Reform School, under the control of five commissioners appointed by the governor, who were to operate the school and make biannual reports to the lawmakers. At some time thereafter, the commissioners were replaced by the governor and the cabinet of Florida, which explained to me what a cabinet does. Is that just like...
1: They're basically like the ad- official advisors. Okay. So like you have the the cabinet to the president is like the uh, secretary of state, the secretary okay. of interior, the secretary blah, blah blah. So they're like the they're in charge of those branches of the government. Okay. So the cabinet for Florida would be like the Department of Transportation, Department oh, okay. of Corrections, blah blah blah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. Um. So, uh, the cabinet of Florida acting as the board of commissioners at state institutions. So in 1914, the school was changed to the Florida Institutional School for Boys and in 1957 to the Florida School for Boys. In 1967, the name of the Mariana campus was changed to Arthur G. uh, Dozier School for Boys in honor of the former superintendent of the school. Mm -hmm. From its opening in, um, in the 1900s, the Mariana site was an open campus on about 1,400 acres without any perimeter fencing. So, literally, it's just out in the middle of nowhere. Right, right, yeah. So, the site was originally divided into two sub-campuses, the south side or number one for white students, and the north side or number two for students of color. Uh, the sections were segre- uh, segregated until 1966. Hmm. But in 1955, the Okeechobee campus opened. Hmm. So in 1903, an inspection reported that children at the school were commonly kept in leg cuffs. It's That's,
1: awful. It is awful. awful.
0: It gets worse. Mm, oh, I know. So according to the 2012... Have you heard anything about this? Oh, I
1: know the whole story, yeah. Oh, okay, it's yeah. It's fucking nucking futz.
0: Fucking insane. Mm-hmm. So according to the 2012 um, report by the University of South Florida, which was commissioned to investigate the cemetery and burials, the school was investigated by the state six times during the first 13 years of operation. So it set a fire in a do- uh, dormitory at the school in 1914 killed six students and two staff members. Eleven students were recorded to um, have died in the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic. Mm. but they weren't named. Right. Which why would you not name the students? I know. Um, In 1929, an 11-room concrete block detention building, also containing two cells, one for white and one for students of color, was constructed to house um, violent students, um, the site at the time not being fenced. Students would basically call this the White House. Mm -hmm. Um, In the 1950s and the 1960s, it was the site of most of the beatings of, of the students. So in 1968... Florida Governor Claude Kirk said after a visit to the school where he found overcrowding and poor conditions that somebody should have blown the whistle a long time ago. Mm. At this time, the school housed 564 boys, (whistles) some for offenses as minor as uh, school truancy, uh, running away from home, or basically like cigarette smoking. Yep. So stupid.
1: School truancy is literally cutting class. Yeah. They would be sent to this place
0: for skipping school. For skipping school. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So um, it says they ranged in age from 10 to 16 years old. 10-year-olds. Yeah. Little children. Uh, I know. So after corporal, uh, corporal punishment at the school was abolished in 1967... The building was used for storage. In 2008, in response to the allegations of the extreme beatings and torture that took place there, state officials sealed the building in a public ceremony, uh, leaving a memorial plaque. So basically says it's been empty since.
1: So, so sorry we beat and murdered children here. Let's just go ahead and brick this up and say, sorry, put a plaque out in front and hope that that solves all the problems.
0: So on September 21st, 1934, uh, 13-year-old Thomas Varnado Barn- and his 15 year old brother Herbert were accused of stealing a typewriter from the back porch of a woman's house. The local sheriff, uh, sheriff decided to send both boys to the Florida Institutional School for Boys, citing their crime as malicious trespass. Just 30 day- uh, 38 days after arriving there, Thomas died. His death certificate cited the cause of death from pneumonia.
1: <laughs> mm hmm.
0: Years later, his nephew Glenn decided to bury Thomas's body back home. When Glenn requested them to basically exhume the body uh, from the school, they told him there were no records as to where he was buried. Jeezy crazy. Mm hmm. So in 1940, Owen Smith was sent to the Arthur G. Dozier School for Boys for wrecking a stolen car. Like that, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, you stole a car. Mm hmm. So, shortly after arriving at the school, Owen tried to escape, but was caught. Owen escaped again in December 1940, along with another boy. On January 1st, 1941, the school superintendent, Miller Davidson, sent a letter to Owen's par- uh, parents. It read, quote, So far, we have not been able to get any information concerning his whereabouts. Unquote. Uh. Owen's mother replied that they were planning to travel to Mariana to search for their son. Soon after, they got a telephone call letting them know that Owen's body had been found underneath a house. School officials said his body was so badly decomposed that they couldn't determine the cause of death, Was sus- uh, suspected he died from the cold. Uh,
1: the cold in Florida. Okay.
0: That's what I said. Yeah. I was like, it's northern Florida, but... But, still, right. We don't get snow here. Correct. I just... Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. Owen's mother didn't believe it. According to his sister, who is now a retired Lakeland police officer, the boy who was with Owen said he was last seen running across a field with guards shooting at him. (sighs) His family asked his body be taken to a local mortuary where they would collect his remains. And upon arriving at the school, they found that he he was already buried. Uh Yeah. Which I feel like if you're going to bury someone before their family gets there it's probably because you're hiding something yes yeah so it says the rector of the saint luke's church in town wrote to the family letting them know that he had performed the burial service and that it was the burial plot of the school that was kept nicely cleaned and cared for and will be looked after in the years to come have you seen what that campus now looks like Mm -hmm. nothing yeah Uh, That letter is the only proof that Owen was buried in Mariana or that he even died. His family has been unable to obtain a death certificate, and the Bureau of Vital Statistics has no record of his death either. Wow. So Earl Wilson was 12 when he was sent to the Reform School in 1944 on a larceny charge. He died 72 days later while detained in a tiny 7-by-10-foot building with eight other boys ages 11 to 17. Known as a sweat box, the shed had a bucket for a toilet, a bucket for drinking water, one set of bunk beds, and a constantly burning light bulb. Some of the boys had been there for days, others weeks. Oh, my God. Yeah. It says Earl's death certificate says he was autopsied and the cause of death was head injury with blows on the head. But the doctor's conclusion was inconsistent with the testimony of the boys confined with Earl. Four boys were convicted of murdering the 12-year-old and sentenced to life in prison. The prosecutors relied on testimony from the four other boys. Earl's family later heard from another boy who said Earl died when school officials stuffed his nose with cotton as a punishment for smoking. It said the boys also said staffers would administer beatings three or four times per day. Uh Made me really sad. Yeah. So in 1969, as part of the governmental reorganization, the school came under the management of the Division of Youth Services of the newly created Department of Health and Rehabilitation Services (HRS). In 1996, HRS was reorganized as the Florida Department of Children and Families. I learned a lot while doing this. I know, right? This book <laughs> You're report. Like, ah. According to the 2009 report following investigation by the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, there were 81 school-related deaths of students from 1911 to 1973. 31 of these boys were said to have been buried on the school grounds, with other bodies shipped home to families or buried in unknown locations. There are 31 simple crosses as grave markers at the cemetery. Installed in the 1960s and the 1990s. Mm. Bullshit! (laughs) sorry (laughs) i mean this whole it's all very questionable the 2012 report by the university of south florida found a total of 98 documented deaths at the school from 1914 to 1973 including two staff members see
1: told you it was bullshit (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: told you they were lying i told you i told you
0: i told you i told you told you called it in 1982 an inspection revealed that boys at the school were hogtied and kept in isolation for weeks at a time it's awful. Mm-hmm. The ACLU filed a lawsuit over this and similar mistreatment at the total of three juvenile facilities in Florida. By this time, the Do- Dozier school was housing 104 boys aged 13 to 21. Jesus. Federal lawsuits concerning school conditions resulted in the Department of Justice monitoring the Florida's juvenile justice system beginning in the 1987. In 1985, the media reported that young ex-students of the school sentenced to jail terms for crimes committed at Dozier had been victims of torture by guards at the Jackson County Jail. The prison guards typically handcuffed the teenagers and hanged them from the bars of their cells. Uh sometimes for over an hour. Jeez. The guard said that their superiors approved the practice and that it was routine. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. hmm mm-hmm. We do this every day. Every day. Yeah, Hanging up like laundry. Every day. In
0: 1994, the school was placed under the management of the newly created Florida Department of Juvenile Justice, which operated the school until its closure in 2011. By this time, the school had facilities to house 135 inmates. Yes, you mm- heard
1: that right closure in 2011. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes.
0: Which I'm pretty sure... The face that Jovi was making of like, that can't be right. No, no. Tis right. Uh, Many of the boys sent there had been convicted of rape or of committing lewd acts on other children.
1: Which I mean... I mean, okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. On September 16th, 1998, a resident of the school lost his right arm in a washing machine. A lawsuit was filed against the institution and the plaintiff was awarded an undisclosed amount in 2003. So, part of me is like, do you think that this was from someone at the staff? Well,
1: do I believe that this is what happened? Did he oh. hurt himself? I h- Doubtful.
0: I'm sure that I, I'm sure it that was someone inflicted
1: upon him. Yes. Oh, yeah.
0: Because I'm like, why would you undisclosed here some money? Like,
1: correct, correct. Shush. Go get a prosthetic. Don't talk. To, don't talk about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So in April 2007, the acting superintendent of the school and one other employee were filed following allegations of abuse of inmates. The state officially acknowledged that abuses had taken place there. The White House Boys, a growing group of adult survivors who had hel- who had been held there in the 1950s and 1960s, were speaking out to the press. Mm-hmm. So by the early 21st century, there were about 400 members. Since the early 2000s, member uh, members of the group began to speak publicly about their experiences to the media and to challenge the state to investigate practices and personnel at the school. Mm-hmm. So uh, it says more than 300 men have publicly recounted abuse and torture at the school. The survivors have some internal struggles and um, they basically set up more than one website, mm-hmm. which I went on one of the websites last night. So I was like, mm-hmm. very interesting. It's basically like a support group for them. Yeah. Um, In October 2008, several of them attended a ceremony to install the the historical plaque at the White House that acknowledged the past. Mm -hmm. So on December 9th, 2008, Florida Governor Charlie Crist directed the Florida Department of uh, Law Enforcement to investigate the allegations of abuse, torture and murder recounted by the White House boys and their law firm. He basically requested the department determine one, um, the entity that owned and operate or operated the property at the time where the graves were placed, which is why I think US USF USF got like involved, which yeah. is the University of South Florida yeah. for people who don't live in Florida.
1: <laughs> and they did the ground penetrating radar yeah. there, right?
0: Yeah. So it says identification where possible of the remains of those inv- individuals buried on the site. And three, to determine any uh, crimes were committed, and if so, if the perpetrator, uh, the, basically the people who committed those crimes. Yeah. The FDLE uh, conducted more than 100 interviews of former students, family members of former students, former staff members of the school during the 15-month investigation. But no concrete evidence was found linking any of the student deaths to the actions of school staff. Mm-hmm. Or... Or that uh, there had been attempts by staff to conceal deaths, mm-hmm. which I think bearing a body and not marking it would be considered... Would be considered
1: concealing death.
0: Yeah. You I would mean, think. I mean, I would think. I mean, I'm with you on that. I have no clue. Mm. But.
1: I mean, who am I, right? I mean, right?
0: <laughs> I'm nobody important. I'm no one. I'm no one. Just innocent uh, bystander. I just have this podcast, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> which makes me a professional.
0: <laughs> I know everything. <laughs> So none of the graves were opened during the investigation. It says the investigation determined that 31 graves at the facility had been dug out, which I've repeated between 19, uh, 1914 and 1952, which I was reading something else, but I, I don't have it included in here, but someone had said that they went to exhume a body in another state that was sent, sent so the family thought the body was in, in the...
1: But it was somebody else's body, right? The DNA didn't it match? It was rocks. Oh, God. No, I didn't hear that. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it, but
0: I mean, I don't I don't have it in here, but i I I'm pretty sure in one of the podcasts that I was listening to, they were talking about that. Like they went to exhume the body and it was fucking rocks. So a forensic examination of the White House was conducted. No trace of evidence of blood um was found on the walls. Some former uh, students told investigators that they felt that they they had needed the discipline. Uh, Troy Tidewell, who was a staff member at the school during the period, said that the uh, punishments in the White House were not excessive. He said staff used the leather strap uh, because they were concerned that spankings with wooden planks, as had previously taken place, might injure the boys. Leather Leather straps is going
1: to feel like being kissed by puppies.
0: (laughs) I'm like... Yeah, I know. I don't think I've ever... I've had a belt. a belt. I feel like a belt hurts pretty bad. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's comparable. But I'm like, I can't think if I've ever had a paddle.
1: No, me either. I've I never. Haven't. I've had a belt. No. I've had like a wooden spoon. Oh, I feel like that would freaking hurt. It, not good.
0: <laughs> not good. <Isn't> good? <laughs> They're, They're not, not great. <laughs> 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 uh, so in January 2010, the Department of Law Enforcement released its findings. This investigation included over 100 interviews of former students, family, family, of former students and former staff members of the, of the school. The interviewers confirmed, in addition to the implementation of the individual rating system, school ministers used corporal punishment as a tool to encourage obedience. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know about you guys, but like, that don't work for me. <laughs> Agreed. The interviews revealed um, little disagreement about the way in which corporal punishment was administered. The former students were consistent in that punishment was administered by school administrators and adult staff witnesses in the building referred to as the White House. The former students were consistent in stating that a wooden paddle or leather strap was the implement used for administering punishment. The area of a disagreement among former students was the number of spankings administered and their severity. Although some former students stated that they were beaten to the point that their skin on their buttocks blistered and bled profusely, there was little to no evidence of visible residential scarring. Instead, a secondary disagreement was the former students' perceptions of the punishment process. Some former students stated that their spankings caused them no physical, physiological harm, and that they learned from their mistakes, while others stated that mentally they suffered greatly as a result and still do to, to this day. Some reports by for, uh, former students stated that in addition to corporal punishment, they were also subjected to sexual abuse at the hands of former staff members and or other students. students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the passage of over 50 years, no tangible physical evidence was found to either support or refute the allegations of physical or sexual abuse.
1: But, I'm sorry. <laughs> I find all that bullshit. Well, we can't find things to
0: b- back up your cl- What the Where are you fucking looking, bro? Where are you looking? Yeah.
1: And the whole thing is is so the the psychological damage caused to these former students isn't enough proof that these things happened to them. Seriously.
0: My thing is is if it happened over here on the right and you're looking over here at the left, of course you didn't see it. Correct. Sorry. Correct. But, you know, I mean, all of this I feel like is like a, almost like to turn a blind eye. Yes. Well, yeah, and so because it's not like that they've been, not been in trouble before. They have been correct. in trouble since the beginning of its history. Right. Right.
1: So I have a I have a comparison to add, but I'm going to wait okay. until you're done oh. with the story. Oh, okay. But I have a comparison of how one person who experienced something can see it as a blessing and another sees it as a curse. So I do have an example of that that's relevant to the story.
0: Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So in 2009, uh, the Florida school for boys was the subject of an extensive special report for their own good published by the St. Petersburg times allegations focusing on the 1960s included claims that one room was used for whipping white boys and another for black boys. The facility was fully segregated up until 1968 The whippings were carried out by guards using three-foot-long belts made of leather and metal and were so severe that the victim's underwear uh, underwear would become embedded in skin. Mm. One former student said that he had seen a boy trapped in a running laundry dryer at the school and suspected the boy was killed. One former student stated he was punished in the White House 11 times, receiving a total of 250 lashes. Others alleged they were whipped until they lost consciousness And that the punishments were made harsher for boys who cried. Some alumni also stated that there was a, quote, rape room, unquote, at the school where boys were sexually abused by their guards. So it said that some of the victims were as young as nine years old. Mm. So in February 2010, the White House boys filed a class um, action suit for damages against the state government. And it was dismissed by a judge in uh, Leon County, Florida, because the statute of limitations had run out for such a suit. Oh God. A bill introduced into 2012 session of the Florida um, into Florida to provide compensation for the victims of, of abuse at the school failed to pass. Oh my God! So in 2017, the state officially apologized to about two dozen survivors and families. Oh, OK, because that's fine.
1: Now it's it's okay now. Thanks. Yeah,
0: it says in, in 2018 they were considering bills to provide compensation funds for a memorial and to create a task force to determine where to bury unclaimed remains found during a three-year investigation. After the land was gifted to Mar- Mariana, a student became uh, mandatory from the EPA, which quickly found over two dozen more rapes and also I think I think I read somewhere that sometimes boys who didn't have homes would be, also be sent here
1: oh yeah it was like it was like a catch-all it was it was like mm-hmm. a catch-all
0: mm-hmm. and from out of
1: state too it wasn't just boys from Florida it, yeah. people would send their kids or kids would be sent from out of state to this school
0: mm-hmm. and late 2009 the school failed its annual inspection <laughs> are we surprised oh my god I'm so shocked <laughs> I'm surprised among other problems, the inspection found that the school failed to deal properly with the numerous complaints by the boys held there, including allegations of continued mistreatment by the guards. State Representative Daryl Ruson said the system was struggling to move on from a long standing culture of violence and abuse. The U.S. Department of Justice conducted a survey of 195 U.S. facilities, including the Florida School for Boys. According to its 2010 report, 11.3% of boys surveyed at the school reported that they had been subject to sexual abuse by staff using force in the last 10, uh, 12 months. 11.3%. It's awful. And it says, and 10.3% reported that they had been subject to it without the use of force. 2.2% reported sexual victimization by another inmate. So it says DOH said their percentages meant the home was deemed to have neither high nor low rates of sexual victimization compared with the other institutions assessed in the survey. I feel like that's a high number. It should just be zero. zero. It should be zero. <laughs> it should be zero. One is high. Zero is the goal. It was deemed to have neither high nor low rates. Zero's is the goal. Mm hmm yeah.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. So base. so basically what that's telling me, how many schools were surveyed? 190 what? 195. Okay. So 195 schools were surveyed. Mm-hmm. This guy's right down the middle, right? Mm-hmm. So let's let's round it up to 200. So that's saying that there are 99 schools that have way more sexual assaults and 99 schools that are doing great at less. When the goal really should be zero. zero.
0: Right. Okay. Just let's not got it. Just sorry. Let's not sexually abuse anybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that
1: that's a, a, a rule that we can put on the wall.
0: I would think so. So on March 11th, 2010, State Attorney Gen. Glenn Hess announced that no criminal charges would be filed in the case. After interviewing investigators and attorneys representing both the White House boys and an administrator, and after reviewing the Department of Law Enforcement's reports has concluded that he would be unable to prove or disprove criminal wrongdoing in the case in a court of law. It gets me so mad. It just gets it is, me so yeah. mad. It, it sucks. In <laughs> yeah. July 2010, the state announced its plans to merge Dozier with JJOC, creating a single new facility, the North Florida Youth Development Center, with an open campus and a closed campus. However, the following year, claiming budgetary limitations, the state decided to close both facilities on June 30th, 2011. That's
1: it. Okay. Wow.
0: Right. I mean, it was only so open went from for,
1: all to nothing. So <laughs> I mean,
0: it was it was only uh, you know open for 111 years, and you couldn't afford to keep it already open. Yeah. Weird. 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 Remaining students were sent to other juvenile justice facilities around the state. In its December 2011 report of its investigation of the Dozier School, the Civil Rights Division of the United States Department of Justice made the following findings about staff at the school who were cited for use of excessive force, inappropriate um, isolation, and extensive um, use of confinement. The youth confined uh, at Dozier and at JJOC were subjected to conditions that placed them at serious risk of avoidable harm in violation of their rights protected by the Constitution of the United States. hmm Yeah. During the investigation, they received credible reports of misconduct by staff members to youth with their custody. The allegations revealed systematic and dangerous practices by a lack of accountability and controls. Um, they said that they found the staff did not receive the minimally adequate training. So basically, like, blaming it all on training. Right. But, I mean, if I went in somewhere, I would know not to beat (laughs) someone else. Well,
1: as a person who is a corporate trainer, or at least used to be a corporate trainer, everything gets blamed on training, so don't worry about it. Yeah. These people aren't doing their job right. Must be training. Must be training. you're the manager, so why don't you, I don't know, whatever.
0: They also found that proper supervision and accountability measures were limited and did not suffice to prevent undue restraints and punishments, basically saying that they failed to hold anybody accountable for their actions that they did. That's what I read that as. So, um, staff members often fail to accurately describe use of force incidents and properly record use of mechanical restraints. So, Erin uh, Kimberly is a forensic anthropologist at the University of South Florida mm-hmm. um, who led the USF team of anthropologists, biologists, and archaeologists exploring the Mariana campus in a project authorized by the state. Mm-hmm. But I heard that they were trying to sell the land. Mm-hmm before like all this other stuff yes
1: so they were trying to uh claim it as a historical site so they could continue the
0: yeah.
1: investigation right yeah,
0: yeah but they i was like what are you gonna do put a bunch of fucking houses on it and those houses are gonna be haunted <laughs> probably <laughs> i mean florida yeah we basically built
1: this entire state on swiss cheese because of all the sinkholes so why don't why don't we just bury it on or put it on buried and they just ground keep,
0: they just keep building and they keep building they keep fucking building It's just gonna sink So the stories of the White House boys piqued her interest as she was working with international groups to identify remains and burials in areas of warfare. She thought the specialists at her university could help the state in identifying undocumented areas of burial by using current technology and scientific techniques.
1: I love ground penetrating radar. I think it's awesome. It's the coolest.
0: It really is. She was especially curious why there were no records of the locations of the burials. Yeah, us too. Me. We're me all same, curious about that. As customary as state prisons, hospitals, and similar institutions. She said when you look at the state hospital, the state prisons and other state institutions at the time, they were very like they had a plot mat. Right. they were very meticulous about yeah. mapping out all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you can um you can basically look at it in reference. And if you are a family member today and you say, Where is my great aunt buried? And they can show you exactly where so why that didn't happen here i don't know but that does stand out yeah yeah in 2012 the team used ground penetrating radar and some excavation to identify where bodies were buried however in order to determine if the cause of death was from injury illness or murder the bodies must be exhumed mm-hmm. given the long history of the reported violence at the school many people believe that some students died of because of abuse Under existing law, bodies were exhumed can only be done at the request of a family member. Mm -hmm. Many of the burials are of students who were here in the early 20th century, and records make it difficult to identify their families.
1: So it's like a never-ending cycle. Mm -hmm. Like, we need to know who these people are, but we can't know who they are until we uncover them. But we can't excavate, or we can't exhume their bodies unless we get permission by the family. But we can't get permission by the family because we don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. Mm (sighs) Mm-hmm.
0: By December 2012, the researchers indicated that they had located 55 graves on the grounds. Given that they had documented nearly 100 deaths of the school, the team believed that was a second cemetery was likely to exist. Yeah. Because remember, they didn't mark the graves. Correct. Yeah. Eye roll. Like, why would you not? I I know. I know. On August 6, 2013, Governor Rick Scott and the Florida Cabinet issued a permit allowing a team of the University of South Florida anthropologists and archaeologists to examine the remains of any and all boys buried at the Dozier site. So they basically began exhuming the boys on August 31st, 2013. So according to Robert Strolley, a spokesperson for the White House boys, the school segregated white and black inmates and remains were located where black inmates were held. He suspects there's another cemetery that hasn't been discovered. I think that there are at least 100 more bodies up there. He said at some point they're going to find more bodies. I'm dead certain of that. He said there has to be a graveyard on like the other side. Uh Uh-huh. So it says uh, bones, teeth, and artifacts from grave sites were sent to the University of North Texas Health Center for DNA testing. So in January 2014, the University of South Florida announced that they had yielded remains of 55 bodies, almost twice the number documented in the official reports. Mm -hmm. In March 2014, Governor Rick Scott signed a bill authorizing up to 7500 per burial for those families who wanted to take the remains of relatives identified in unmarked graves at the Florida Mm -hmm. School for Boys. Got it. So it says this followed the University of South Florida's report in January, which said that they had been able to make matches to 21 sets of remains to known families. Wow. Mm -hmm. In addition, the bill proposed creating a task force to establish a memorial, as well as uh, citing how to handle the remains of the bodies that have yet to be identified or claimed by families. By September 26, 2014... The remains of the three boys, George Owen Smith, reported missing in 1940, Thomas Farnado reportedly died of pneumonia in 1934, and Earl Wilson died in uh, 1944, had been identified. They had been. So they had found their bodies. Okay. In January 2016, the USF team uh, issued their final report. They had made the total of seven DNA matches. Fourteen identifications from the 51 remains found at the site. A total of 55 burials were identified, but only 13 were made within the cemetery grounds. Wow! And the rest of the graves were outside in the woods, including under a toadway, which is a bush in a large mulberry tree, where while well, they um, had documented 98 deaths. On the site, they were unable to identify any more burials on the grounds. Some bodies may have been sent home to students' families. The USF team will continue to work with other organizations and families on DNA and other means of identification of the remains that were found. Mm. They created computer facial, um, like the... Like the computer... The computer generated. Yeah, that's So from remains that they found. A number of families, including Glenn Farado family, had filed requests to have the remains of their children of relatives sent back. On April 26, 2017, the state held a formal ceremony with families and survivors to apologize for the abuses of children at the school. Both sides of the lawmakers passed resolutions um, supporting the apology. Some two dozen men stood as their names were called. A proposed house bill would fund two uh, memorials to build in Tallahassee, and in Mariana, reburial of remains and provide some kind of restitution to victims. The Senate said it would consider it. As of April 2019, it had not been passed. Folksmen for the White House boys said they did not want any remains reburied on the grounds of the school or even in the county as they believe local people were compliant and with what went on there. So after Hurricane Michael in 2018, the Jackson County Sheriff's Office was given the property and it's now known as Endeavor. Hmm. Um, basically to relocate from their damaged offices. In late 2019, an additional 27 possible graves were identified during a pollution cleanup on the Dozier site. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis... directed state agencies to work with Jackson County's officials to develop a path forward. In mid-July 2019, the University of South Florida forensic anthropologist, Dr. Aaron, was going to return to investigate anomalies discovered were in fact more graves. Even still, to this day... Still pending. Everything's still pending. Yeah. Like, I literally looked up news articles and we're just kind of where we are. Yeah. Just ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So oh, yeah. So what was your... So, okay. So I wanted to bring this up because it reminds me of when you were saying how, like, the two sets of survivors, like, some were like, no, it helped me. And others were <sighs> yes. like, no, I'm residual mental anguish over yeah. this. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember. I think it was the first episode or the second episode of the podcast. I, I had mentioned the Paris Hilton documentary. <gasps> yeah.
0: Okay
1: did either of you guys get a chance to watch the? I haven't watched it yet no so part of the documentary she's talking about one of these types of schools that she was sent to yeah and basically in the middle of the night these people came into her home her family home kidnapped her, staged a kidnapping, and brought her to one of these types of reform schools. And she was, like, out in the mountains of Utah and it was like, you're all this manual labor, you're beaten, and if you rat on somebody else, then they all gather around in circles and the students have to beat up each other. and It's, like, this whole big thing, right? And it's basically to put these kids who are misbehaving on the straight and narrow. And I'm almost positive Paris Hilton was, like, 17 when she was sent to this place, right? Well, she and a whole bunch of other survivors of schools like this, similar to Dozier and, you know, the school that she was sent to, have this new movement where they're trying to get these stories out there of like what these schools do and how oh, yeah. damaging they are and blah, 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 blah. Well, the other day, I happened to be just like watching random YouTube videos and a YouTube video with Drew Barrymore popped up. She was being I interviewed. Love her. I love her so much. I love she was Puber being interviewed by Howard Stern. And she brought up the fact that she was sent to one of these places. And she was like, it saved my life. If I was never at one of those places, I'd probably be dead or in jail, blah, blah, blah. So it's like such a, how two people can have almost an identical experience, but because of who you are, just completely view it differently. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I think Drew Barrymore is wrong, but I'm also saying I know that Paris Hilton is right. You know what
0: I'm saying? Like, yeah. but Drew
1: Barrymore, I felt like was probably a lot Well, she was much younger. She was only like 13 or 14 when that was in places. And I, I think, think she
0: was I mean, she was going through like major oh, it
1: was awful. Yeah.
0: So I think I think with her, she was probably to a point where her life was so bad that right. something like that probably did help her. Right. I think that also it you know
1: correct yeah no i agree but it's just when you were talking about that stuff i'm like it just reminds me so much of yeah how you can look at two people who are both very successful in their own right oh, yeah. and smart girls and whatever and how they went through similar pa- they went down similar paths had similar Things happen to them, but completely have different points of view about the outcome, which is just so fascinating to me. It's just
0: the fact that so many people have come out and said, and I mean, there has been some, you know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's hard not to believe what someone's saying. And I just... Especially when it's that many people. And I mean... Correct. That many graves and unmarked. And it's just, a lot of things don't add up with...
1: Just common courtesy. Like, if I was basically in charge of taking care of your child or even just monitoring your child or making them be better people, and God forbid they died. Yeah. The common courtesy of just being like, hey, so... Beep, boop, beep, boop. Hey, so... <laughs>
0: um, this is what's going on. We're going to well, have all this taken care of for you. But, but like, yeah. Well, and like with the Owen, I believe that was his name. Mm-hmm. I think it was Owen. Um, But like he they they couldn't find him but then as soon as his mom's like i'm gonna come up like, there oh we found him, oh, we found him. yeah and it's
1: like that already buried sorry weird. yeah it's
0: all very very strange and also like it when you were talking about the paris hilton thing and taking her out into the middle of utah all i could think of was fucking holes because yep. like it's where they send these kids off well they send these kids off to you and they make them dig holes because it builds them character Yeah.
1: well it's even like i read a um I read a book by getting into Scientology for a second. Ron Miscavige is the head of Scientology. His niece wrote a book because she left the religion. And she wrote a book about her growing up in Scientology. And that they, it was very similar where they would send them to like all these places to like build the Scientology camp, but it was basically like indentured servitude. So you had to do all of the manual labor, dig ditches, build buildings, haul rocks, blah, blah, blah. So that way the, Famous and rich Scientologists could come and stay on these beautiful things, but you were like the labor. and your kid their kids they're like thirteen, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old. Can't go to school, but you can dig ditches. Thank you guys so much for listening to Bad Crime stories. We appreciate your patronage. <laughs> um you can find us on instagram twitter and tiktok at Bed Crime stories you can email us at bedcrime stories at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for stories or you can dm whatnot. us you can dm us on instagram you can dm us on twitter but i mean it might take a while for us to get there but whatever um if wherever you listen to us please make sure you like subscribe review the more that you do those things the more likely other people are going to be able to find our podcast so spread the Mm -hmm. word tell a friend um and as always we love you all we appreciate every single one of you we hope that you have a lovely evening and we will see you next week but until then sweet sweet dreams. dreams